Quiet on the set. Action. Welcome everyone to the Movie Machine Podcast. My name is Kyle Decker. I am one third of Hot Chocolate Media. What we do here is make up a movie based on a random prompt from the internet. So we don't know what this uh, random prompt generator, it's kind of like those random name generators you may use for a role playing game or something, but for a movie prompt. And then I am joined by three of the Hollywood elite here. Uh, and I'll tell you what they do and what they're famous for in just a moment. All right, so we're joined by our writer today, Ben Lifson, who was Alexander Skargar's vocal coach on Mute. We have Jacob Gulliver, who's Donald Logue's grief counselor on Blade. When you die that many times, you just, you know, have to. And Brian Salisbury, who's the fight choreographer on 1990, The Bronx Warriors. By that. So, and, and uh, Kyle, do you want to let the people at know, home know where we are? Yes. Uh, you can find us on hotchocolatemedia.net or anywhere you download podcasts by searching the Movie Machine Podcast. And our special guest today, his real credit, he is the uh, co-host of Junk Food Cinema, which is hosted by Film School Rejects. You can also find that anywhere podcasts are found and also on Patreon. And he also helps run the uh, One Perfect Shot social media, if I'm not mistaken, and a lot of and is a film critic extraordinaire, if you will. I will not, but thank you. Uh, all right. So... That's the real credits, and we're live at Convergence. Thank you for coming, everyone. So, yeah, it is sitting room only in here. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, that's what they know at home on the recording podcast. All <laughs> as right, as far as they know, it is a packed house. So, starting with our writer, this is your prompt. The theme of our story is an epic drama. The main characters are a miserly military professional and a happy peddler. The major event of the story is reconciliation. So this is going to be, I think, a really nice for a space opera, space opera setting. I don't think we'll, I mean, we're not going to set it in the Star Wars universe because they are not going to call us anymore. But, you know, we'll have a generic, you know, sci-fi, you know, have a big space army, space armada. And, you know, we have the gritty, you know, space military guy. We'll, we'll give him a, a nickname so it can really be cast by anyone like um, Starblaze. Captain Starblaze, because it's the future. Not Stargrove. Stargrove. Um, no, Starblaze. Okay. Uh, Just check. His first name, or her first name is Grove, because, you know, in the future it could be a female. Or in the present, or in the past. Okay, hey, okay, so, you know, their journey, you know, they're trying to expand the space um, exploration because, you know, the space empire collapsed for whatever reason, and now they're refinding the old planets, you know, remaking the Federation empire republic thingy. But, you know, in space there's also... You know, some con artists, some space swindlers, and we got a happy-go-lucky, you know, peddler whose whole thing is shtick, is trying to, you know, trick these military expo- space explorers, basically, you know, making up this whole, you know, false space wonders, false ruins, and saying, like, you know, this was an ancient civilization that created life in the galaxy and all this, and, you know, it, it's all, you know, just so he can up his, you know, the prices for what he's found. You know, it's, it's of course it's epic because you know it's space, and there's lots of drama because space, 
And you know, so it's it's really just kind of a you know the peddler tricking, getting deeper and deeper into the military thing. He didn't expect it to go so well, but he keeps getting pulled up the ranks, kind of kind of like that Star Trek episode where that guy pretended to be a time traveler and then. No, okay. Um, well, but basically, then he finally, the peddler gets in over his head. And, you know, he has to come clean. And the then they reconcile over, you know, him tricking the military and space majiggers. So uh, the, the title of this is going to be A Far Twinkle Star. All right. So, Jacob, director, uh, on your doorstep, a FedEx guy delivers a Commodore 64 with a five and a half inch floppy disk. There's 12 of them with this screenplay. He forgot to put one of them or whatever, so it's just kind of jumbled mess of the script order. But it doesn't matter what order you read them in. It makes as much sense or not. Uh, and it was called Stargazer. What did you call it? A twinkle star, far, a far twinkle star. A far twinkle star. Do I really not? Get or to FTS. On any of this? Yeah, you you get when you get, get my turn, time. You get all to right. shit all over this. <laughs> I mean, you get to treat it I with. Have, uh, I have constructive criticisms. Yeah. <laughs> so so, but now our director is going to do his storyboards and treatment. Yeah, and we'll give first, us your plan. Yeah, first thanks to the studio for sending me this sweet Commodore sixty four. This is awesome. Um, you know, hey, this script, wow, not great. Um, let me let me help you out a little bit. I think you know we can kind of shape around the edges. What I'm going to focus on first is creating kind of some themes and some styles. And then it sounds like our studio has some real specific feedback, so I'll let them kind of dictate specific plot points. But just kind of speak to the spirit a little bit of what it is you're going for here. So first off, you know, spending a lot of time as a grief counselor, as you mentioned before, I understand very well how to make people very sad. <laughs> and I think my ultimate goal with this film is to create like a crushingly tragic space opera. So something that it just makes you feel, you know, like you you just watched your whole family burn to death at the end of it. Like you're you're just crushingly sad. So you're so moved by this this epic tragedy in space. Uh, and the the whole like exploration thing doesn't really sell to that so much. So I'm thinking that we, we kind of reshape that a little bit. I do like sticking to the kind of grittier aspect you're talking about. I don't want like the froofy sci-fi designs with like the big, you know, pointy hats and crap like that. I want more, you know, similar to what we see in real life, more closer to what we currently have, just with a few small sci-fi flares to them. Everything should look worn and damaged and used, shouldn't look clean and fresh and new in a lot of ways, you know, and keep to blue-collar type imagery just in a sci-fi setting rather than... Um, so basically the opposite of Jupiter ascending is what I'm going for. Jupiter descending. Right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So <laughs> in terms of cast, I want folks who can, you know, they can sell you on being, you know, real friendly, happy people, but can also just like wreck you with their their excellent acting skills. Our, our lead is going to be Anne Hathaway. She's going to be awesome. Uh, she can be, you know, very compelling as both a happy person and a sad person. And then our like military leader is going to be Jeff Bridges and we'll just have him we'll give him like we'll shave his head and we'll put like some cool like military branding or tattoos or something on his head so it'll be kind of like a, a cool semi semi futuristic thing but also make him you know a little bit of a, a hard ass so that's kind of my my overall 
uh, style that I'm going for. Stick to a lot of like muted tones, a lot of blue, maybe a little bit of purple for accent, but not too much like bright colors elsewhere in the film. And uh, Studio, if, if I may request, you you find another title for us here because okay. that one's just it. It looks terrible on the slates. I got to tell you. All right, taking this to the not to the. To the studio here, you're given a treatment and all, and some uh, test footage from the director. It's very kind of a washed out look. They got uh, some practice photos of uh, Jeff Bridges in a near future spacesuit and Anne Hathaway kind of in the same thing, but she's playing like a dirty hobo con artist. So, uh, you know, what kind of budget you get this thing? How do you make this piece of crap make some money? Well, first of all, I want to make it very clear that the old studio head greenlit this shit pile, and I was brought in, and I'm contractually obligated to finish it. But we've got to make some changes. First and foremost, that title, get it out of here. Unless this is a movie for babies, a far twinkle star is not going to work for me. Secondly, there's a lot of drama because space. Because space, space where things take billions of years to happen, is where you're gonna set your drama and just expect space to give you that drama. It won't just give it to you. So you know what, I'm bringing in a second writer for a, no. for a touch up. I'm bringing in Damon Lindelof because what I think he's gonna do is give you some of the big ideas that you seem to be lacking by just relying on deus ex spacena. So that's, that is unnegotiable. Also, this movie was greenlit with Arlie Ermey in mind for that role. You're telling me that you, uh, you're, you're talking about a miserly military veteran. We wrote this initially with Arlie Ermey in mind, and unfortunately he's unavailable because he's busy being dead. So now what I want you to do is find an Arlie Ermey type. So I have two edicts for you, three if you count the three. First of all, fix the title. Secondly, Jeff Bridges, I'm not sure about. Let's find somebody who's actually an Arlie Ermey type. And thirdly, we're gonna have Lindelof come in and do a little bit of a touch up on that script. Also, I'm going to do an entire mountain of cocaine before we come back around to me. Okay, do you have a-, a, a Applause break for cocaine. What, what's, what's the budget you're, you're throwing at this? You get me an Arlie Army type, I'll give you your 80 million. You don't get me an Arlie Army type and you're basing this whole movie on the fact that it, you're going with dirty hobo Anne Hathaway, which hasn't worked since Les Mis, by the way. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna bump it, I'm gonna bump it down to 60. Okay, so uh, back to the writer, you've been told, did we change the title? I told them to change the title. That's not on me. Right. I'm not. I'm not the guy who comes up with the ideas. I you, just tell you what. So you need to know what marketing data says. So, so uh, the writer Ben, you get a note scribbled by the studio. Uh, yeah. the, the envelope has like some white residue on it, and it's a <clears throat> stick figure drawing that has a circle that says "you" with a knife through its head that says "new title." You're not sure exactly what that means, but you think it's like some passive aggressive oh, stuff. Also, Page Boy. One other thing I wanted to say. Uh, we we got to have a strong soundtrack for this movie if we really want to get the kids interested in sci-fi again. We got to have a strong soundtrack. So I also need you to cast a, a popular music artist somewhere in this sci-fi movie. So I don't know if I mentioned that before, but I'll be over here doing cocaine. So and then uh, you've been assigned a uh, second writer, David Lindelof, who's yeah, like yeah, I'm aware super excited to make another sci-fi movie like Prometheus or Cowboys versus Aliens because you know he wrote those. And you know how you feeling? You like the changes made? Yeah. No, we 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 talked. Um, so he gave me some feedback. I am now. Uh, he did. He didn't want to talk right now. So I'm sort of just saying what we came to an agreement on. First off, title. He wanted. I mean, we decided together that we are going to call it Dark Star, which it's going to be one word, so it's different from the previous Dark Star movie. And but just because dark 
and he said that Dark and Star sound epic and people will go see that. Um, he also <laughs> suggested that uh, he really wanted to kind of bring back what he did with Prometheus, just kind of bringing a lot of mysteries uh, into the story. So I'm uh, just rewriting it, uh, rewrote a whole thing, and then just took out 20 pages of the script and just leave it for the audience to figure out. So first off, the space, the Space Federation, after the planet was destroyed by the Zarnok. What is the Zarnok? We don't know. It's actually an abbreviation. <laughs> but is it us? Or was it aliens the whole time? We don't know. Anyway, so that already plants the seeds of a little bit of mystery there. <laughs> also, the peddler, we're gonna find out that actually, the peddler thinks that they're making up all this stuff, but it's revealed in the third act of seven acts <laughs> <laughs> that there is a temple which has millions of statues of the peddler. And is the peddler just number 131? of the clones. We don't know. Oh my god. We don't know. These were all, by the way, his suggestion. Just, you know, bringing in mystery into sci-fi. You know, he said that people didn't like Prometheus before because it grounded itself too much in the familiar, you know, aliens and whatnot. So we're really going to give someone something smart to chew on here. Rather than stupid scientists who put their faces over egg egg sacks and things. cartographers no no use maps no they're not scientists they're military personnel now so don't worry about it and the big revelation at the end is that it turns out all this stuff was real and the peddler was only being conditioned into thinking that they weren't but the plot twist of that is that parallel universes baby Okay. Do, I get, do I get to respond again? Uh, you will get, yeah. Okay. You'll get, okay, you'll get uh, everyone gets two chances to I, I'm asking for movie. a friend. I don't even want to. Yeah. <laughs> so I know, like, just, just call your Coke dealer. He'll keep you calm for a while. Sounds good. All right. Uh, so director, uh, the film's now called Dark Star, all one word, not to be confused with the Dave O'Bannon, John Carpenter, 1974 film, Dark Star, two words. Just confused um there's a david lindelof rewrite and he's scrubbed ben's name off of all the scripts and said he came up with it by himself and uh there's a whole plot about parallel universes and clones and the zardoz or is kartov or does it some bullshit made up name <laughs> that is either humanity or a monster or just something that destroyed the universe and it's all very confusing how you feeling and you've been told to cast an arlie army type Mandate. Yeah, uh, I I think I can fix this. So we'll we will have this like mysterious race of like precursor species. That's that's interesting. We'll just make it like less in your face with like that big description and narration thing at the beginning. The the reason the military is like expanding out and doing all this exploration and everything is that they're trying to find some piece of technology which can you know get them to the next level of space travel. They're trying to uh, send humanity because the, the Earth is beginning to fail in some way or another. It's a classic trope, but it's one that people will recognize and will understand. We can throw in some kind of weak environmental message in there and you know, kind of work with that. <laughs> I also like the idea that the military is kind of hogging any resources they find for themselves and the people who are remaining on Earth are you know, being given less and less of those resources that are being found because it's being used for more and more exploration. So our, our peddler, our junk merchant type character has a, a junk ship uh, that's going around and is uh, kind of interacting with them in that way. Uh, the title still blows. I think we're going to call this Crash Plan, which is a little bit more dynamic, short, rolls off the tongue nice and easy. 
we go goofier, maybe we could do like Crash Plan Delta or something like that. I don't know. Uh, but Crash Plan is good. In terms of an Arlie Ermy type, I'm disappointed that you think Jeff can't pull that off, but I will cast somebody else for you. I We're think gonna- I was more concerned about Anne Hathaway. <laughs> You want Anne Hathaway as a, an Harley Hermie type? Oh. Is it you're playing telephone with the studio head? No, no, no. I, just, <laughs> I, I think I think you need to cast. If you're going to keep Bridges, fine. Bridges is reliable. I don't know what he's saying half the time, but audiences <laughs> seem to like him. Uh, but you need, in addition, an Harley Hermie type. Otherwise, they're not going to be able to. I, I just don't think they're going to buy Bridges as someone. Uh, I, I don't. I don't buy it. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say it again. I think someone like Michael Ironsides or Stephen Lang is gonna be necessary to pull off your your, your old military veteran. I got one for you. So we'll we'll skip Jeff Bridges. He's great, but he's also expensive. And you're right. He does kind of mumble like an oldster. So we're we're gonna get Scott Glenn to step in, and he's gonna be our hardcore uh, Arlie Ermy type, uh, most famous as Sticks from Daredevil in recent years. Um, although having done many other roles that are excellent in the past. And then you said we needed to get some sort of like musical element in. We're going to have the the AI on our ship that belongs to the, the Anne Hathaway character be played by Rihanna. And she's she's clearly interested in doing sci-fi films after Battleship and Valerian. And, you know, who knows? Maybe this movie will do better than those did. Okay. So, Impossible. So the studio... Your, the movie's now called Crash Plan. It's got Scott Glenn uh, as your crusty role. Bridges is out. Rihanna's in it, not playing a shape-shifting stripper alien whose Ethan Hawke is, is her pimp. Just she's in it. That's all. That was really specific, Kyle. I mean, watch Valerian. Or don't. It's You're not missing anything. It's pretty <laughs> and dumb. <laughs> so, dumb. studio, how you feeling? You, you think this is on track to make money? Siri, navigate me through this plot, please. I can't seem to find my way out. Are you kidding me with this? Maybe maybe it's aliens. Maybe it's not. Maybe they're clones. Maybe you brought him to me. If you're not going to settle on it, then how is the audience supposed to figure it out? You God. brought him to me. Damn it. I want Lindelof off this picture. I want Lindelof off this picture immediately. Bring in somebody good, uh, somebody who will work cheap. And also, I think this the Star Crash, you've hit it. Star Crash. What, what was it called? Crash, Crash, Crash plan. plan. Splash pad? Crash Plan. Crash Down? Sure, Crash Down. Crash Zone. Crash Zone is a great title. Way to go. I think you've really nailed it. And in fact, you're talking about a movie with seven acts. That's not one movie. That's a franchise. So now we're going to YA this shit. We're going to make three movies out of it. Splash Pad 1, Splash Pad 2, Combat Zone, and Crash Point Z. I don't remember what the title was, but it was great. We're going to do three of those movies. So now I want you to find... Uh, Rihanna's great. I think Rihanna is what all the kids are listening to. That's what Spotify tells me. So now we just need to find one other musical act to wrap it up in the third movie to kind of to kind of pair off. Well, you're that. sending this off, so this is 100% your call. What oh, musical is, act you what, want? Oh, really? Like, like the movie is going to go off into the movie machine, and we're going to find out how it fares in theater. So you, this is your chance to put your stamp on it. I mean, if we're really going to bring in the kids, I think... Elvis Costello is king of the universe is going to be revealed in the third movie. That's going to be great. It's going to be amazing. I think I think we've really hit on something here now. Now, as far as the are the clones are, then of course they're clones. We're going to establish that right away. It doesn't need to be a mystery. It needs to be the hook. So every subsequent movie is about discovering another clone of our hero and what that clone is doing and their adventures and how they're all tied in together in this this overarching plot to destroy the universe, etc., etc., etc. I I think uh, I think we uh, put some lens flares in this and we call it a fucking day, kids. Let's okay. Uh, so audience, I'm going to put this in the movie machine and pull the lever of it 
see this big elaborate machine here with all the gears audience agree it's right here physically mm -hmm. existing and it's it's going to sound like a whole bunch of space lasers but i uh it the that's movie a great title by the way the movie machine is is an advanced ai that feeds off human emotion there's no law of conservation emotion me so so why you're explaining more about this machine anyway, than they did about the plot true <laughs> i mean yeah that's, that's why i'm the moderator give me a thumbs up thumbs down where whether or not you think the movie machine is going to like this movie and it's going to be a financial success or cultural success thumbs up for success thumbs down for piece of crap i've never lost my all right so uh <laughs> this that time i literally so this money. movie comes back it does terrible in u.s domestic office it, it opens with a very paltry 10 million dollar weekend goes away after three weeks however it does really well in Europe and China. Europeans think it's this great avant-garde piece where they're pairing Rihanna against Elvis Costello. They're not sure. They're like, this is terrible, but it's so terrible. We love it. Like they think it's high art. And that uh, <laughs> in China, they just love the space explosions and the fact that the titles get dumber and dumber. They can make the greatest bootleg posters. If you've ever seen like Chinese sci-fi posters, they're just for the whole YA trilogy. Now, the first movie does well, it does well enough overseas that it definitely funds the next two. The second one is the one that is popular in the United States and it's so discordant from the rest of the trilogy, no one realizes that it's part of a whole trilogy except for a few film nerds that do podcasts at conventions. That's well, about- Probably because all. the titles aren't the same. Yeah, it's because yeah. <laughs> Splashdown, the opening one, and then Crash Zone, War Zone. Does really well. People love Crash Zone, Colon War Zone, just and then whatever, whatever the third chain. one's called. I love the repetitiveness of that title. Whatever, whatever the third one's called. So uh, the one thing is, like, is really popular at weird, uh, like, sci-fi conventions and everything. So your fans. Uh, you make lots of money on the circuit signing photos and everything, but you all have to get at least four protective orders for fans in different cities because they're just kind of weird. So, in movie machine tradition, you now have two minutes of time travel magic to make any changes to uh, change the fate of your film in this franchise, or you can just call it a day and say it's art. So, starting with our writer. So, I feel like a little bit of my original vision has been skewed. Um, you know, I, I really wanted to tell a real personal story about a con space con artist and the majesty of space. So I think, you know, we have so many clones, and, you know, I think that when you have so many clones, you kind of lose the person's soul a little bit. And I know anything that I'll suggest is going to get shot down anyway by these uncreative but no very nice people we got you buddy so i'm just going to um <laughs> so with that i'm just going to throw out everything to the wind and just see what happens okay so you know what space travel what about black hole travel huh so there's going to be a is that it? <laughs> gonna be really cool where you know you know fdl everyone's seen fdl in movies but what if they are able to travel between black holes by Through wormholes by circling around the centrifugal force of black holes and just shoot off. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. All right. Uh, so all you got? Uh, I do have a couple more notes. However, my producer does have a revolver pointed at me. So I'm just going to stop right here and uh, just say it's art. All right. Director, 
You make decent money off of this and everything. No one realizes that you were involved with all three movies because they are all different titles and the thought, and they're so discordant from each other. Um, well, on, on the but, third and the fourth movie, I was second unit director, but you know, first two, I had to had to really, you know, play the full role. Where'd the fourth movie come from? <laughs> well, <laughs> the you, oh, you do that one. You weren't there for that sue. one. Yeah. <laughs> No, you weren't there for that one. The studio kind of did that one behind your back, and they rehired Damon. It was a mess. I'm sorry, man. That's that's fine. There's plenty of holes in my it's backyard. Called, it's called Splash Zone Star Chronicles. I will. I will. Line a, up crash a, zone a, cra- yeah, a crash zone story. A crash zone story. Any it's other changes spin-off. you want to make? Yeah, you know, I think or any changes. The, at all? the only thing that I really wanted in these movies that didn't really make it through to the final piece. We need to crank up the sad. This needs to be crushing. This needs to be a situation where people leave the theater in tears and it's just like the most heart-wrenching thing. So that's that's really what... Oh my God, it's the corpse of Damon Lindelof! Ben, what did you do? Oh, he's fled. I'm sorry you had to hear about it this way. All right. Well, this is... <laughs> I, so um, we've witnessed our first movie machine murder. Uh, not uh, the first. Yeah, it's far oh, from the first. Yeah, that's right. So anyway... <laughs> Yeah, it's happened. So, uh, producer, uh, you made the studio some money. It's kind of discordant and all over the place, but checks are coming in. So, are you okay with that, or you, you want to make? I mean, the first thing I would have done if I had a time machine on this project would be to fire the writer and the director. Are you kidding me? Like, the the writer pitches like he's the first half of a Seinfeld joke. Like, hey, what's the deal with black holes? Am I right? That's not that's not a movie premise. That's the setup for a punchline. Oh no! <laughs> and Lindelof, I definitely wouldn't have hired, but it was a good idea at the time, much like a lot of Lindelof scripts. Um, <laughs> But I'm going to go back in time and focus more on the, the space peddler. We're going to make it a space thief, and the three of these movies are going to be about a heist, uh, a grand space heist to steal. Here's where it gets good. To steal the clones of themselves so that they can be in more places at once to steal more things. I mean, essentially, like uh, Ocean's Eleven in space. That's what we're going to go for with these three movies. We're going to keep the entire cast. We're going to do some chop job editing. Uh, Bring in a new score. I, I think it's it's going to work just fine. And also, definitely getting a new director and writer. All right. Uh, anything else you want to add or change? I, I got a lunch meeting in like ten minutes, so no, I'm 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 good. I, I think it's a winner. All right. So uh, this goes back. Uh, the heist theme plays out. I mean, it means it does better domestically, but the fact that it's not weird means France has no market for it. And oh, not France! It only did well in China. It only did okay well in China, and you were going for Ocean's Eleven in uh, space, and more people compared it to Multiplicity in space, and just didn't do which as made well. us money. I don't know why people are complaining. It made us money. So, with that all said, if it, one Michael okay. Keaton is good, 12 Michael Keatons is better. I said that at the pitch meeting. But you, you, you didn't have Michael Keaton. So, <laughs> that is what it is. You, you had the really leathery guy from the Daredevil TV series and said no one wanted to see him in three movies. So, that, that movie is what it is. You don't lose your jobs, but no one really remembers your movies and they're forgotten, only be talked about on podcasts. I lost like my job, but for other reasons. So, <laughs> yeah. Fine. Yeah, the, yeah. On to the next project. Um, ben, ben is now living in France with Roman Polanski, so because oh. uh, <laughs> he committed a crime and ran away. So as always, we end each episode with a quote from our patron saint of the podcast, Jaden Smith. 
Jaden Smith. Jaden Smith. We okay. used to be Guy Fieri. We, we, we upgraded, maybe. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> we started running out of weird shit Guy Fieri said, believe it or not. Incidentally, there's also a Guy Fieri panel happening right now. Yeah. So, anyway, these wise words out of context from Jaden Smith. Don't worry, Bay. I'll talk to you about space time over FaceTime. <laughs> I'd hire that kid.